0: Good morning, once again, everyone. And what a thought that it is. And is it so? We shall be like the Son of God. I mean, no one has ever existed like him. He's matchless, he's peerless. He alone could have obtained our redemption. But we have this promise that one day, We will be conformed to His image. In fact, that is the purpose of our salvation, that we might be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. What a hope we have in Him. But not yet. And so, just a few thoughts on what we do in the meantime. If you could turn to Ezra chapter 3. Ezra 3. It's good to see everyone here and good to literally see everyone in person. It's been a long time over the last several months of being on the computer and maybe being somewhat isolated. But now we are returning. And I was praying and thinking, what now? You know, you hear a lot of this People saying things are getting back to normal. Things are returning to normal. And the question is, what now? And so I was thinking of the exiles. I was thinking of those who had been exiled into Babylon, out of the promised land, and they spent that time, those 70 years, in a foreign land, like fish out of water, longing to be back longing to be in that place of blessing. And so I thought we could just read some verses here in Ezra to reflect on that return. This is in Ezra 3, chapter 8. Sorry, chapter 3, verse 8. Now in the second year after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of J- Jozadak, made a beginning, together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests, and the Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Joshua with his sons and his brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord, according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. So, what do we see here as they come back and they've reached that place that their hearts longed for? One of the things that we see and the most important thing that these people begin to do is to worship. You know, this needs to mark our life. This needs to be a crucial part And of course, we've been worshiping all along. It's not to say that we took a break from worshiping. But may this be an opportunity for us to renew a commitment to worship the Lord. You know, we just passed this holiday, Thanksgiving. And we see that these priests led the people in a time of thanksgiving. It says here that they gave thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy, or His steadfast love, His loving kindness endures forever. You know, they were likely singing responsively Psalm 136, if you could just flip there. It's a really interesting psalm because it keeps repeating this same refrain over and over again as if you would have a priest up in the front say the first line and then everyone in the crowd would repeat responsively, the mercy of the Lord endures forever or His steadfast love endures forever. So in Psalm 136, it starts, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for His steadfast love endures forever." And on and on, as if to remind the people again and again, that's what the mercy of God is like. It endures forever. Nothing can stop it. If you look at the rest of the psalm, it moves through creation and then the deliverance from Egypt and then their lives in the Promised Land. But in those last few verses, we see them remembering the Lord's faithfulness to them right now. Many believe that this psalm was written either during the captivity or after the return. They remember God just wasn't faithful then. His steadfast love endures now. He has remembered us and He has rescued us from our foes. May we also worship during this time. But we see they didn't only worship, they also wept. They wept. And I always remember the first time I saw that, I was like, well, that's kind of confusing. Here they wanted to come back so bad. Why are they weeping now? But it can be an emotional thing as we remember the past, as we look at an uncertain present, You know, these people who were gathered there were surrounded by people that hated them, that wanted their destruction. They were not fully returned. In fact, they didn't ever fully rise to power again. They were just still under Persian rule. So everything was kind of partly fulfilled. The desires of their heart were kind of answered, but not fully. And here we sit in our masks, And everything is not exactly like we wish it was, right? And it can lead to sorrow. But not only that, a lot has happened over the last two years. Many have gone to be with the Lord. Many tensions in our culture and our society have bubbled to the surface. Let's not be afraid to weep over these things in the presence of God. He's not afraid of your emotions. So we too need to bring those strong emotions to the Lord. We worship Him. We sometimes weep. And then if we could just flip to Haggai really quickly to see two more as we think, what are we occupied with during this time? This is Haggai, a couple books before the end of the Old Testament. You know, Haggai was one of these prophets who came to this very group of people to encourage them, to spur them on and say, don't give up. The Lord wants your heart. And in Haggai 2, he would speak to the people and say in verse 3, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt... My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. And so here we see two more things that these people of God are being called to do. Not only to worship and to weep together, but to work. I love how he just lays it out there. Haggai says, Work. There is work to be done. And I know that it's easy when we're discouraged or when we're not sure of the future, it's easy to sit back and let things happen. But God has things for you and for me, works laid out before you to walk in, right? As we have in Ephesians chapter 2 works prepared for you, you personally, young people, older ones, middle age, wherever you are, He has work for you to do. But you're not working alone because He says, I am with you. Work, for I am with you. Paul would tell the Philippians, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. He says, My Spirit is still with you. What a promise. And the last one is, wait. Wait. You know, a lot of this prophecy was forward-looking. He tells the people, you've been waiting 70 years, but wait still. Because He says, in a little while I'm going to do these things. And that little while really turned into a longer while. And we know that these things were fulfilled in Christ and His coming. And yet, in the book of Hebrews, the writer would quote these very verses and say, yet a little while, and I will once more shake the heavens. So, we're still waiting, even now. But we can wait on the God in His faithfulness, knowing that His steadfast love endures forever. He is not slack. He is not late. So let's be willing to wait. You know, even during this time leading up to a celebration of the incarnation in in the Christmas season, it's a time of waiting. But we wait not as one who just sort of sits and twiddles our thumbs and kind of looks around us. No, we wait as those who worship actively who bring our emotions to the Lord honestly and weep before Him for what we've lost, who work diligently, and who wait patiently. So may this identify all of us to the glory of God. Amen.